Spice FM 98.8 FM. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. I was I was actually doing the, a reference to Stephen Fry there on QI, where he goes, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. 
but we'll just nick that's that just because say, we're in evening mode always yeah, yeah. We're, all, yeah we're always we're always ready for the night out <laughs> rocking the town <laughs> so not us we're all like we're all uh, we're all middle aged now <laughs> but hello everybody welcome to uh, Mentally Sound this is on Spice FM it's 12pm on Friday that means Mentally Sound is here in the airwaves on Spice FM 98.8 FM I'm your host Mr. Stephen Hesselwood and I'm here with my good friend Mr. Ricky Salmon hello sir good evening <laughs> and in today's news <laughs> um, but yeah uh, fun times so obviously we were here two weeks ago two weeks, yeah. yes because um, because we had two weeks in a row because of my situation with my mum but um, That's right. glad to say um, as we were about to talk about in our introduction things are going well mm. um, I, f- I feel a lot more um uh, the things are in order, as they say. <laughs> I wanted to do like a, a really bad joke there, but I'll not. Kind <laughs> 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 of restrain yourself, Stephen. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm in a, a pretty good mood. How about you, my good sir? I'm not too bad. Yeah, all right. Uh, good. The the heat wave. I think we'll get onto that at some stage. But yeah, that, that's, that's been the main. <laughs> no, let's go into it now. <laughs> main, main thrust of uh, how we've been coping recently. Ah, in fact. Um, the, the heat wave has been uh, in national conversation now in regards to just how people feel, which I felt isn't it about time, but I'm I'm biased in that view because it's obviously affected me for years and years. Back yesterday, I was on uh, BBC Five Live talking about it because they put out uh, uh, on the your call in the morning. They were asking the question: Are you are you pro heat wave or anti heat wave? I know what necessarily pro heat wave means. <laughs> Pro heatwave. Yeah. It sounds like a political movement. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I'm, I'm very much anti, and they asked me to come on. That's when I talked about reverse sad. You know what I mentioned mm-hmm. before in the show. So um, yeah, and the whole anxiety linkage. So yeah. Um. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, do you feel like because it's kind of um got less uh, it's it's a bit humid now, isn't it? I think mean, humid's probably worse than it is just having the sun out all the time. Well, this is it's worse when it's muggy, like like a bit like today when the sun's not out, but you can. It's almost like the the heat's everywhere, so it's not as if you can jump for some shade because you can't escape it. It sort of surrounds you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Um, I prefer if this, if, it, if it's going to be hot, I prefer if it was just sun, and then you can do something about it, like seek shade, drink liquids. But when it's muggy, it's a, it's a bit. Different. I find myself preferring. Uh, uh, preferring it, it to be cold because I keep making this argument of at least when it's cold you can sort of do something about oh, it. Oh yeah, much prefer the cold. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm when it's humid. Cold. Yeah, when it's humid or hot, you just like are constantly aware of it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really frustrating me. I'm bored of it now. Yeah. Um, but that's you know I'm a I'm a I'm a you know sort of introverted nerd a lot of the time. So, so people, I prefer people sharing <laughs> tips like online and stuff, um, social media about how to keep cool. The one which is most popular, I haven't tried yet, apparently if you fill a bowl with ice cubes and put it in front of the fan, mm-hmm. that's meant to be Oh, yeah. Activity. I saw me and uh, my partner uh, saw a, a, a clip of that um, on this morning. And yeah, we found ourselves going, yeah. and we found ourselves going, uh, like, and you know when, like, a presenter does their job where they state the obvious? Mm-hmm. We were sitting there going, but what happens when the ice melts? They're just going to make a, like, that's the water's going to go I've everywhere? I've not tried it yet, but yeah. surely the ice m- melts within minutes. Yeah, and he goes, oh, no, like, it'll take forever for the ice to melt. And I'm like, no, I've, like, left, I like, it's the same principle as when you leave, I've done this before, I'm sure everyone does, so I, I feel like I'm preaching to the converted here, but when you put ice cubes in the glass and you forget that you put them in and then yeah. you, like, go and do something else, is that they melt within half an hour. Exactly. So even, even if my limited knowledge of physics, one thing I do remember is that um, it's like to do with air resistance and that generates heat. So mm-hmm. I, I remember having a, uh, having a bar of chocolate 
and it was quite it was quite soft. So I thought, well, what I, instead of putting it in the fridge, I thought I'll try and putting it in the fan. Yeah. And it just turned even more softer into it, like a sludge, <laughs> a big chocolate sludge. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's just a bit, um, yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. It, I I didn't quite understand that. I thought that I I seen that team flaunt with danger. I'll still try, um, but I'm not I'm not holding out so much hope. Also, in that example on this morning, the the the, the level of ice cubes, like the the size, it was like a big mountain of I ice know. cubes. And going, who has that level yeah. of ice cubes? First of all, yeah. is the job in itself. You but can I mean, purchase, and I do hope to make this purchase some, but you can buy these sort of ice towels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it's some sort of like material which you sort of quench within some sort of like liquid, okay. um, and then you and it's just meant to be really effective, a bit like wet, wet, wet wipes, the ones I use, but better. Mm-hmm. I still have my mum's um, ice bags from when she recovered from her knee up. I'm surprised mm-hmm. I haven't reached out for them yet because I think they're still in the <laughs> the freezer somewhere. <laughs> and I am. Um, I once um, uh, left like partially my fridge open and a lot of stuff melted. So you know when you you put like. Um, uh, you put uh, stuff back into the fridge when they're like sort of half melted and like with ice creams you get like just like this this like mesh put together <laughs> and yeah I, I did that with them um, whatever they're called them orange them orange lollies you get um, oh, yeah. and uh, it was just looked like um, I don't know it just looked like someone had stood on it or something it was really weird um, I still ate it but it just it, it was more like an it was more it felt more like I was just eating like uh, sort of water like um, flavored ice cubes or something it yeah, it, it lost yeah. its like it lost its consistency, so um, I'm sure everyone's done that as well. You know, yeah. we're all honest on this show. But if, you have, if you have, if you have some cooling tips, uh, tweet, tweet, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. please do. Yeah, so that's underscore mentally sound. If you're interested in uh, tweeting us, I have the web page open, so and uh, we can discuss with your good selves. So yeah, um, I forgot to say this at the beginning. So we are a mental health show. We are we have live guests. We also have some phone interviews coming up as well. And uh, what I thought might be nice because usually I uh, read off the list, but uh, Ricky's the one who books the guests for the show. Do you want to mention for the good folks who are listening in intently? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Like uh, I don't know why I said it that way, but why not? Um, about the guests. Really you maintain that voice. People are going to come yeah. and say, please, please do that. Yeah, voice. please just keep doing come it. Yeah. Still, yeah, I'll do me. <laughs> like a radio voice not me regular voice because I think regular voices are better but like hello Morgan <laughs> so on today's show um, yes. mm-hmm. 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 so Nicky um <laughs> could you please in your good self <laughs> I want today's show <laughs> <laughs> yeah like um, like build it up like in the TVs on today's show we have the following um <laughs> like Harry Enfield character <laughs> yeah 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 oh god we're aging ourselves now <laughs> um, well I have I, I forgot to mention I, I, I turned 40 very oh yeah recently, congratulations so, yeah thank you very much so yeah, you mentioned wow. middle age there I think I've officially entered that zone well I said that I said that not to upset yeah, you yeah I noticed <laughs> I noticed the style yeah <laughs> but on today's show yeah. going back to the original question yes yes so who's on the who's on today's guest um, so I, really I guest. rang you Midweek, because mm-hmm. I said there was a very imperative piece of drama that you ought to watch, and I think everyone out there should watch. Killed by my debt. Yep. Uh, the very sad tale of uh, Jerome Rogers, a young lad who um, fell into debt. Um, and I think these days it's not hard to fall into debt with everything that goes on. Um, and through that, he sadly took his life. Uh, I, I've, I've become a sort of I've become a correspondent, a friend to. His mother, over the last year or so, we have a mutual friend on Facebook who introduced us. Um, and uh, when he shared the story, and I, I said to him, oh, I, I, I saw her being interviewed on TV and radio, 
And I mentioned, do you know that I also co-host a, a mental health uh, radio show? And I'll be honoured, I'll be privileged if you would put us in touch with it. And, and, and he did. And we, we've been chatting, getting on really well. And, and the last few months, it was just a case of trying to um, get her on the show. It was either going to be Skype or, or, or her having to sort of come up here. Now that we have the phones uh, installed and working, know how to do it. So we uh, we have the privilege of talking to her and she'll be making her... Yeah, so she's yeah. around about one thirty, right? One thirty. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, and we've got Carol. We have mm-hmm. Carol Barwick, who's hypnot- uh, well, she's all sorts really, counselling hypnot- uh, within hypnotherapy. The hypnotist is what interests me. It's yeah. going to be interesting. <laughs> I was I was fancied a discussion about phobias and its relation to mental health. So when I looked for guests, um, I contacted a few, and she 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 replied, and she said she'd be more than honoured to come on and do that. Mm-hmm. She's a live guest. Um, She'll be coming on uh, within the first hour, possibly second. Uh, we might, we might possibly do mental health news with her if she. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably that. Realistically, the only way we can fill her in today yeah. being live. Because so yeah, the two phone interviews um, are, are at a half place twelve, where half one. Should probably be sandwiching between that. Yeah, because usually what happens is obviously because we not only um, you know you might hear some buttons being pressed and stuff like that as we actually do <laughs> like literally everything on this show. Yeah. So um, I have to answer the phone during the breaks because it just doesn't. Make Makes sense for you to hear the phone go off while we're while we're we're talking. So, um, during the so my <laughs> I said this to my partner on the way here. So I have now lost my breaks for the show. Um, I now I now have no breaks at all if there's any of your phone interviews. But that's fine. On the third um, guest, um, uh, a last minute a last minute replacement, almost quite literally. Um, uh, Claire, she's the volunteer with OCD UK. And uh, I think um, I, through my involvement, I don't think I've tapped into OCD. It was serious matter. Can you remember talking about OCD on the last station um, before I was your cause? Um, maybe. Yeah. Um, it, it seems likely. I don't, I mean, not. Uh, we've done a lot of shows, but I, I don't remember specifically what we talked about or who it was with. I'll tell you how this but, came um, about. Um, yeah. I had a very, I uh, got into a Twitter debate not too long ago regarding um, obsessive compulsive cleaners, the show on Channel 4. Oh, yeah. And uh, so a few people with OCD joined a Twitter discussion with me about is it a fair representation? Uh, are we falling to stereotypes and that sort of thing? And uh, so I said, I said to, I said to, to, to Claire, um, you're more than welcome to come on, and we can continue this discussion live on there. So that's what we'll be doing. Excellent. I mean, I actually have an, a very interesting. I really want to uh, talk to them about um, about the about OCD because. I do fall into the trap, which I think we all do, of going, you know, when you say something and, you, and everyone kind of knows a little bit about OCD. I and know I where you come going, from, I'm the same. I find myself going, oh, it must be my OCD. Yeah, and I yeah. actually think that's probably yeah. quite a, a yeah. silly thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would love to I'm know. I'm guilty of that. Because um, I actually think there's a friend of mine who has OCD and it's more obvious. Well, it's the same because if, if I had someone who I knew was, was, was a relatively okay person and suddenly said, oh, I, I got a bit anxious. There is that part of my brain that kind of says, oh, you don't know the half of it, mate. Try having it sort of like... So imagine with someone with OCD or any other debilitating condition where somebody says, oh, yeah, I get a fraction of that. I think it can be, you know... I think we'll have an interesting discussion about uh, terminologies and what what better ways of talk about it and go about it. Which, in a full circle way, is why we do this show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because the whole idea is to get rid of 
um, you know, stereotype assumptions. Yeah. Uh, ignorance is in a, in a in a roundabout sense because as I as I'm willing to admit when we do do the the the, the, the OCD interview in particular, that's the live lady, isn't it? She's going to be here. No, no, the the she's going to be phoning. Oh, the hypnotist well. is the one who's yeah. like, yeah, sorry, Carol's got the wrong way around. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so anyway, so I, was, I wanted to make sure I was at the right thing. So yeah, phone interview. Um, so that'll be happening in uh, in a bit, in about ten minutes or so. Is um yeah. I'm really curious, and I, I will be quite upfront about it and say, yeah, I often say OCD, probably in a phrase that isn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm willing to admit that and sort of learn, mm-hmm. essentially, because yeah. that, uh, that, if we didn't do that, that would be silly. Well, it's, a, um, it's a pillar of the show that we learn as well, and yeah. you know, as long as, you know, making other people... Yeah, I think uh, one of our guests has turned up now, so... Okay. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I'll so go, I'll go and chat to him. <laughs> yeah, okay, no worries. I'll just leave me. So now that Ricky's gone, I can now say what he's really like. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> um, uh, if it could be, <laughs> the, one of the things about I do in the show is, um, can you be quiet, please? We're alive. <laughs> um, sorry, I just, I, I, um, there's a there's a point where you have to be rude, ladies and gentlemen, where people just start having a chat because they literally. Uh, talk in the studio and I can hear them in the headphones uh, which is interesting um, so yeah so uh, yeah so uh, that was the night that, that was just uh, the moment that was the section we like to call a moment with the audience with Stephen <laughs> um, now for my quiet now for my final thought um, <laughs> oh, walking to Jerry Springer yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, most of the time you can you can paraphrase his final thoughts to just basically Get over it, people. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the basic I recommend his podcast, the Tom Fleury podcast. It's mm-hmm. all political. And I prefer Jerry in that mode rather than talk show because he's very kind of astute because, you know, he's a, yeah. he's a political background. Yeah, yeah. And he got, didn't, well, on our right and saying he, he, yeah, he did. He got caught with a Yeah, he was, uh, he was a bit of a bad boy. Yeah. Um, and, he could, and do you know how he got caught? It's uh, the funnest part about it. No. He gave her a check. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just mm. thought it was so brilliant. He gave her a check and he under his real name, and then <laughs> she went, "Isn't he a volunteer?" <laughs> <laughs> what a what a tool, yeah. as they say. Um, but yeah, so as we mentioned earlier in the show, if you'd like to contact us, it's at underscore mentally sound. Uh, we're on Facebook. We tie in mentally sound Facebook on uh, Facebook pages. You should be able to find us. Um, so we can uh, natter a bunch of that. The WhatsApp number now, isn't it? Uh, yes, for WhatsApp on Spice FM because they don't longer do text, you know, because we're in the 21st century. Apparently, <laughs> texting, you know, that, that's making me feel a now. Texting's right. no longer a thing. Uh, so the WhatsApp uh, number, if you want to contact Spice FM, we can also you can contact us through that, which is 07881-988-988. That's 07881-988-988. Yeah, so a lot to talk about. Yeah, so the thing I wanted to reveal because it's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a teaser because. I'm going to ask we Ricky. Have a drum roll for this. Yeah, we should ask <laughs> Ricky about um, you know be doing a, a podcast so we can talk about this at length. But Ricky knows this because he's a personal friend of mine. Is that um, on my Facebook or rather my partner announced this, so I feel comfortable. I, I did get permission to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Is um, yeah, uh, so Ricky knows. So we'll give the brief version. Then obviously we need to take a break because we've got um, a phone interview in ten minutes time. Is the yeah. Uh, my partner was waiting for the opportune moment to um, announce this to like all more extended uh, friends and family basically so she announced on Facebook that we are expecting a child 
um, which I haven't said yet. Uh, anyway, um, I've been very, 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 uh, obviously, pri- like, things should remain private, um, and I do think there's, like, a certain period of time, then once they sort of, you get settled with the idea, then you should talk about it on if you're doing any, if you're part of, like, the sort of media world, and I think now's an appropriate time to say, because now I know, because we had the 22, well, we had a 20-week scan, now we did a 22-week scan recently and found out that I'm having a girl. So we thought that that was a good time to sort of just um, announce to our Facebook. Um, so I obviously just l- agreed to that because I don't use Facebook. So now, yeah, I can talk about it. But I thought what was fun, if you want to know <coughs> more about all that and how I took and you know how this all happened and all this kind of thing, join us on a recent Geeky Parkless podcast that's happening very soon, hopefully, with myself and Ricky, um, where Ricky can ask away. Because I know, like, just before we end up not talking about it, like, are you being dying to talk about it? Because <laughs> well, obviously Ricky knows. I'd, I'd said to you just before, didn't I, that yeah. when you told me the news a few shows back, mm-hmm. it was literally minutes before we went <laughs> yeah, on yeah. I told them like five minutes and before, I yeah. had to go through a, I, threw a, I had to go I had like the biggest brain fog I've ever had <laughs> in terms of oh better not mention better not slip yeah yeah you know I did that do you remember now I can reveal this because it was funny I listened to it back it was a few shows ago but um, I said halfway <laughs> through a sentence I went oh yeah me and uh, Haley were out the other day and I paused and you went I could tell you were going why did he pause and I went oh, I can't talk about that because I was at my baby scan and I almost said that yeah. and I went oh, I can't say that yet because yeah. you know I need to kind of okay it with my partner yeah. so because um, she wanted to make like a whole thing of so we revealed it by putting pink mm-hmm. we put little pink shoes uh, as the picture and then yeah. said uh, um, Davidson Hesterwood is coming uh, oh. is coming soon right. um, okay. she's due on the 17th of November right. so five days after my birthday um, so yeah so yeah so as I said the context because we don't have time to talk about it now at length because um, obviously there's a lot to say because when I found out all that kind of stuff and I'm sure you've got if you want to tweet in with supposedly advice <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> the, idea of the, the idea of that now I have I, I get the phrase given to me of that I'm now going to be a father is it is it does take a, a good deal of yeah. um it does take a good deal of so I turned 40 and you're about to become a dad so yes and yeah I think we're both on a, a, ju- a journey of <laughs> yeah journey of discovery <laughs> a journey of my life being over <laughs> 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 but I get all my single t- <laughs> all the time to myself but I get it in now uh, <laughs> while I still got some you know we're turning into grumpy old men that'll be the new podcast yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> remember when <laughs> remember when texting was a thing <laughs> <laughs> and also me you, you did a how Enfield reference yeah. uh, from like 25 years ago but hey. oh you're going to be that's fantastic mate <laughs> yeah. you're dead <laughs> WSO um, oh dear that's funny but yeah so yes yeah, he um, yeah so I, I and um, no, honestly it's not, uh, I wish you congrats then I'm going to do it you. again now congratulations thank you very much yeah, yeah I know obviously you, 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 yeah we've, we've talked about this privately so obviously because Ricky's a good friend of mine um, but yeah so um, that's it so as I said we'll I'll talk about that more in detail on my own podcast because obviously we don't have ads and, and stuff to play and, uh, and guests and whatnot so um, yeah exciting times uh, the other good bit of news because obviously we've been talking about this the last few weeks at least, well longer than that, or a few shows I should say, not a few weeks, the last few shows, 
is that like my mom is doing a lot lot better mm. the reason i'm kind of in a really really good mood and a bit um a bit sort of um <laughs> hyper i guess is that i got a really really good phone call on the way here from my mom because my mom's currently in a care home which is what um we talked about on the last show and the reason that that's relevant is the, and and the good news i got today is that she's in temporary care because uh, she had delirium because of um, the urine infection. That's gone completely, I'm pleased to say. Um, she's been checked about that, so that's great. She's got no she's got no hallucinations, no confusion. Uh, she does get the fever every now and again, but that's obviously you can do something about that, you know, just um, make the make the room colder, all that kind of thing. Um, and the mental health nurse went to see her this morning, so she rang me on the way here, mm-hmm. and I was on the bus, and basically said she has no concerns long term about her mood and a lot of her mood seems to be um related to her not getting enough medication for our parkinson's which we've just fixed Mm -hmm. so because she was seeing you know a lot of um depressing stuff to me and then i got a nice phone call today because she basically says in regards to that your mom actually brought it up to me today when i when i talked to her Mm -hmm. and she says i don't I'm not, I, I wish I wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact, that's a really nice thing to hear, and I'm going to explain why very briefly. It, when you hear somebody say, I react in a certain way that I shouldn't, yeah. then that's them acknowledging that they're aware that that's not the right behavior. Yeah. That's much more <laughs> positive than someone who, because I thought she might be doing it deliberately. How do I know unless mm-hmm. she says it? But I thought she was, because when I was leaving the last week or so she was doing the whole as i'm leaving going oh it's so bad here you know why do you have to go in the in start getting really teary do you find yourself saying that at times when i know i do that you know when my anxiety kind of grip grips over me yeah and i know that my behavior isn't necessarily the best and yeah I, I, you know i know that i let people yeah. down yeah and so my, subconsciously and then later on admittedly i'd say to me i'm sorry for the way i behaved it's of course yeah me. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you don't want to act that way, do you, really? Yeah, I say this to, I mean, that's what I said to my mum, as long as, like, you, uh, all I would say to people, as long as you, like, work on it, mm-hmm. um, because it's, I don't, I don't, my concern is when people go, oh, it is who I am, I'm like, yeah. but that's not how you should treat people, it's yeah. like, okay, granted, if you have something that really, I mean, in my mum's case, I now know if it's, tablet related mm-hmm. and the parkinson's then then how can i be upset with her because mm-hmm. that's something that she's not in control of mm-hmm. whereas the decision making that the some of the decision making when she was well mm-hmm. was questionable like that she's in control of and responsible for so it's about being responsible enough to go okay i need to do something about at it at the height and of the delirium was she aware of what she was saying no this no. is the thing well delirium is hallucinations yeah. and confusion like really confusion your brain basically goes and i guess shock. it's a bad idea to um, let her know afterwards what she was saying no i, I she did she had brought she she's ha- yeah she did have, that's exactly right she did have a, a few situations where she did discuss try wanted to discuss with me like did i really do that and all i've been told to do is go mom you don't need to worry about that you weren't very well like mm-hmm. don't beat yourself up about that like you know the, what your condition is is exactly you behaved exactly in relation to what you have mm-hmm. it has opposed to who you are mm-hmm. as a person and that's like a really big bit of advice i'd give anybody who's supporting somebody don't treat them how they're acting at the time mm-hmm. treat them like they're normal as mm-hmm. in like they normally are mm-hmm. um, and remind them that it's an illness because mm-hmm. if they start thinking it's their behavior they'll start yeah you know exasperating what they're going through yeah. and it's about trying to keep them as calm yeah. as possible yeah. 
Um, and I think that I, I think I would say out of everything, I did a pretty decent job of that during that time, and I'm really pleased that that's gone because obviously it was ho- it's horrible. Been, it's been a great team effort by you guys. Yeah, family, that, I know, think so. Say, yeah. I'm really like because um, a friend of hers is going to see her later on today, so it's gave me a break today. So obviously doing this show is quite can be quite tiring. Yeah. Means I can go home and be all yeah. um, be all um, you know take a break and everything. So I'm I'm chuffed about that. So. Yeah, so um, so it's really nice. It, it, it again, it's reinforced. We're doing this show every couple of weeks. As a couple of weeks ago, I felt a bit like oh, everything's a bit like difficult, and I was a bit stressed, and was having some sort of um, everything was on top of me. And now it's like I, I'm now like feeling like yeah, things have. It's amazing that in two weeks you just everything starts feeling a lot better, and you get some good bit of news. It's nice. Ain't life a jig? <laughs> Ain't life a seesaw of of moods? No wonder I've got bipolar. Uh, <laughs> when we come back in two weeks, we'll. Be yeah, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be like, oh god. Remember when two weeks ago was great? Yeah, Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Then we really have reached the Oh, it's raining all the time. Well, why can't it be sunny? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Britain, everybody. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to take a break now. Um, we have a phone interview coming up. Um, go away. <laughs> how, uh, how the timing on that is amazing. I know. Yeah, we were just about to take a break, so. Um, I'll, actually, I'll turn that off just in case they ring back and then yeah. I'll put it back on um, but yeah so that what time yeah <laughs> it couldn't be no, it was almost like you had a sound effect like you were Fred on how it's doing yeah. like we're now going to do a phone interview <laughs> but yeah we're going to do a phone interview now so we're going to take a break we're going to play some ads um, and then uh, we're going to play uh, a song called uh, Nothing to Lose by Operator which I absolutely love I've been playing this all all the time um, it came out in like 2008 um, but I really really like it so yeah so we're going to play some ads right now and then we're going to be back uh, with a live phone interview right after these for the community by the community Voice FM 98.8 FM Newcastle Miller 2018 25th year anniversary The biggest multicultural festival on Tyneside Bigger and better than ever before Taking place on Sunday the 26th and Monday the 27th of August Bank Holiday Weekend At the Exhibition Park, Newcastle City Centre For more information log on at newcastlemiller.co.uk Or search us out on Facebook Mosaram Samain گزشتہ سال ہم آپ کے لیے ڈیٹس فار سیریا لے کر آئے تھے اس سال انشاءاللہ ہم ڈیٹس فار سیریا فلسطین اور پاکستان لے کر آ رہے ہیں ایک کلو کھجور کی قیمت صرف دس پاؤنڈ رکھی گئی ہے تمام منافع آپ کی پسند کی ہوئی چیریٹی کو جائے گا آرڈر کے لیے ٹیلی فون نمبر زیرو سیون فائیو ڈبل ٹو نائن سیون سکس ڈبل زیرو ٹو پر رابطہ کیجیے آپ کا آرڈر انشاءاللہ ماہ رمضان سے پہلے آپ کو موصول ہو جائے گا مزید معلومات کے لیے ہماری ویب سائٹ www.thedateproject.com پر رابطہ کیجیے شکریہ
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. That was Operator with Nothing to Lose and as I said, I have had that constantly on repeat the entire week. Found it on YouTube and thought, what a great song um, from Atlantic Reto- Records um, YouTube page. And yeah, it was it's a brilliant, brilliant song. It uh, really could just get you into the the right mindset and it, it kind of has a very if you listen to the lyrics it has quite a, a good connotation about mental health it's like if you've got I love the phrase if you've got nothing to lose then you've got you can have it all like okay. it's like I guess sort of if you start from the if you start from the bottom then yeah. you can you know, the only way is up kind of thing so um, great song highly recommend it but yeah uh, welcome back to the studio obviously I'm Stephen the host uh, with my good friend Ricky uh, we have waiting on the line Claire who we're going to speak to in a second she's from OCD UK she's a volunteer so hopefully if I remember the phones correctly she should be waiting on standby in a second so we'll talk to her in a bit in a second just um, yeah um, uh, is there anything else you want to add uh, Mr Ricky is there anything I forgot uh, no. no, we'll just crack on. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I was going to say, if you have any interested, um, because we have Carol on uh, at about one o'clock, who deals with hypnotisms and phobias, so we thought what well, might be fun, if anyone who's listening to this um, can get to us through the usual channels of uh, WhatsApp, which is 07881-988-988, or you can contact us directly at at underscore mentally sound on, tw- on the tweets or, or the Facebook page, as well, which is Mentally Sound on Facebook. Um, you can uh, find any um, questions and fire at us and we will uh, we will talk to them um, at any time you desire uh, during the show. We're here till 2pm, if this is your first time listening, by the way, so we're here for a little while longer. But anyway, we'll not keep uh, Claire waiting, so hopefully, if I've done this correctly, she'll be listening intently on the holds. Claire, are you there? I am. Hi there. Hello. Um, pleasure to uh, talk to you. And thank you. Nice to meet you both. Thanks for inviting me. Hello, Hello. Claire. Uh, <laughs> it's Ricky here. Thanks Hi. for thanks for uh, jumping in the last minute. I really appreciate okay. that. Great, yeah. Um, and we were talking about this off air, Claire, just to get the ball rolling. Is that um, OCD is such a fascinating thing to talk about, and obviously it's great to have you on to talk about it in that sense. Because I think because we've been doing this show for three years, we may have talked about OCD before, but I can't exactly remember the context. And I think what's interesting is. For, and that's why I want to ask you this um, about OCD is that I think it, like a lot of stuff we talk about on this show it seems to be misinterpreted um, or you know that people sort of because I'm willing to admit to you uh, live on air is that <laughs> is that I often say phrases like oh it must be my OCD and I, 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 I actually now think I probably should stop saying that um, you know like when you do something that seems a bit abnormal and people use that as a throwaway comment and yeah. so I'm curious to know like, do, do you come across that in your line of work and um, where people are, like, unsure what OCD actually is? Very much. Mm-hmm. I think qu- quite often because uh, through my, my work with OCD UK, I, I was running for three years a support group. Um, and the number of people that would come along and say, I didn't know what OCD was. I thought it was all about sort of alphabetizing your CDs and wanting everything clean <laughs> and tidy. And to be honest, I didn't know what it was either. I didn't... I didn't get a diagnosis until I think I was about 28 and I've had it for as long as I can remember and it was just because I didn't know what it was, I just believed it was media, you know, the media representations of it were right when when they're not. Mm -hmm. So what was in your, like, you know, obviously feel free to to disclose anything you feel comfortable with, but (laughs) is what, for example was the misconception in your case like why did it and in, in essence I guess what I'm asking is why did it take so long for you to realize that's what you had I think because 
when people think people who who perhaps aren't familiar with the disorder think about OCD, they think about compulsions. You know, someone compulsively washing their hands or checking mm-hmm. light switches or something like that. And the part of OCD that doesn't get talked about is the obsessive side. And yeah. I, I think that really the reason it's not discussed so much is because it's it's a very it, it's pretty unpleasant actually. You know, people it's, it's the whole disorder is characterised by people experiencing these really unpleasant, unwanted, intrusive thoughts, and it's that that prompts the the uh, compulsive behaviours. Somebody who compulsively washes their hands isn't. Aren't washing, you know, they're not washing their hands because they want their hands clean. They're washing their hands because they're worried that something catastrophic will happen if yeah, they don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that probably lack of awareness generally is what took so long for me to get my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, the terminologies there, Claire, because I, like Stephen, I also fall victim to this where um, in the previous um, conversations, you know, I've, I've done something out of the ordinary or something probably very regular and I would, I, would, I would throw it away like you know it's just my a bit of OCD that I have but knowing in my with, with my anxiety when I've, whenever I hear someone say um, oh it's, I've just got a bit anxious or something and I know part of me kind of says that oh if, you, you should know that you don't know the half of it mate is that is that a feeling you get as well when you hear those sorts of comments? I do. I, it, it, uh, I, I used to feel really quite angry when people misuse the term, but yeah. in my experience, nine times out of ten, when people misuse it, it's not because they're being malicious yeah. Yeah. or mm-hmm. they're trying to sort of cause upset or trying to claim that they've got some uh, disorder that they don't have. It's just that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as part of my role with OCD UK, it's very important for us to to challenge people when we feel we can obviously it's not always appropriate to do so and Mm -hmm. just try one conversation at a time and have conversations with people to to um, educate them because I think as as you said a few minutes ago it is interesting people are interested in it Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, certainly I had a conversation actually with a colleague at work who misused the term and I gave her some information and she said to me straight away I had absolutely no idea Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting. I actually think what you said there is a really powerful point because in when when I heard you were coming on the show when we did the you know sort of the editorial meetings that I, I found myself um, going with my experience because I have bipolar disorder and you know we I talk about this that openly on on any shows that I'm on and I do think you know it's really that really hit home with me when you said about being angry about the way people are and i we realized that's one of the reasons we do this show is to not sort of um sledgehammer people who just don't understand the you know the context of what they're saying it's not necessarily as you said that they're being malicious or anything it's just that they are it's it's the unfortunate aspect of society is that we're we're uneducated in um and we don't really deal with mental health until later in life which seems bizarre to us um uh, it should be dealt with a, a lot sooner i mean it is it is it a, a common factor um, in relation to OCD? Do you think in getting late diagnosis? Because it, you know, when you told, when you just said earlier that 28 was when you were diagnosed, that seems like that seems quite late. Or am I wrong in that assumption? Um, well, it, it, it is it is not not uncommon for people to go a number of years without a diagnosis. Yeah. And quite often, it's because people are either unaware that their obsessions and compulsions are linked to each other, they're embarrassed uh, or about what they're feeling, mm-hmm. or there is a very real worry for people. Uh, for example, people who perhaps might 
experience intrusive thoughts in the sense that they're worried that they might harm their children, which is very, very common. And they're very concerned that if I go to the doctor and say, I'm worried I'm going to harm my children, then what will happen? The GP, the, the concern is the GP will call social services and yep. there will be trouble. Yep. But the thing with OCD, like with, I think, probably many kind of anxiety-related conditions is that it goes for what means the most to you. Yeah. And um, I think it's the reason it's so upsetting is because these thoughts are so contrary to the sort of person that you are. Yeah, it's the, the, that's a powerful point because we often say that in relation to depression, the idea of saying to someone to get over it when depression very often you know, manifests itself in things you already have an insecurity about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, that's... Yeah. Sorry. That's Don't the go ahead. thing that can really bother you, isn't it? Because if you know, you're not going to be upset by a thought about something you don't care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly because I, I can say just as an example in relation to my bipolar disorder, um, it you you stack the deck of negativity a lot of the time, so you can work on not making it worse. But the idea is, if you particularly if you've got something that sort of has a genetic quality to it, that you're you're in essence, you know had it for a long time is this idea that you can change your brain from being negative all the time is is practically impossible but you can manipulate it at the very least to not get worse or at least feel better you know in the short term uh you know yeah so i i I know exactly where you're coming from when you say that so yeah and I, i think the very important thing with ocd is that at this time we think it's perhaps a, a mixture of upbringing, environment. We actually don't know what causes it. There's been no, as far as I'm aware at this point, there's been no genetic link. Um, I believe I've got it. I grew up in a very anxious household, yep. and that's the reason I've got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't, I didn't inherit the anxiety. I think I learnt it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's important wow. because I think if I learn something, I can unlearn it. Mm-hmm. And very, very true, yeah. Mm. And, you know, and it's, it's it, recovery means different things to different people. I know yep. people that say, I used to have OCD, I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know people that say, you know, I want to get to a point where I'm managing day to day and it's not bothering me as much as it is now. And the point, I think, is to get to a point where you can have your life and be happy with what you've got. Yeah. It's, you know, there's no race. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. You just have to try and make your life better for you. Yeah. I thought that was a mentally powerful point that you learnt it, you didn't inherit it when you hit that household. You know, uh, it's made me it's made me think of my own growing up, and I think uh, uh, that really kind of resonates. Uh, but Claire, um, so how we how we met on Twitter is how we you know how you got here because we had a very interesting uh, discussion about a, a kind of popular TV show. Um, which we feel that uh, uh, we we ended it on a grain that that, that that it doesn't really help the stereotypes of OCD. Um, so yeah, obsessive compulsive cleaners. Um, I know it gets quite a lot of mentions on social media. Um, people kind of laugh about it, th- you know, the, the throwaway aspects of it. You know that it it can help someone who, for example, is on the other end who's a hoarder, and the assumption is yeah, let's get some people with OCD to come and clean up the place, and you know. Both 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 parties are happy and everyone's you know goes away happy, which which I think is not is is not the reality, is it? Not at all. Yeah. The, the 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 reason or the cause of the disorder mm-hmm. still needs to be worked on. Yeah. 
um, the obsessions, for example, you know, with, uh, I watched the first series of that program and I made a complaint like a lot of people did and I, in all honesty, I couldn't bear to watch it anymore. My understanding is that it basically followed the same format and uh, nothing really has changed. Um, but I think what you said was really important is that people laugh at it and I think that that's another reason the obsessive thoughts don't really enter into sort of media representations is that it's it's not funny it's not good mm -hmm. entertainment mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of hard to represent i think as well mm -hmm. so you know that the, the, these these program makers make their programs to be popular and to be watched yeah um, I, as i understand that you you have approached uh, you, you've actually um, went in discussion with the, the company and and tried to iron out uh, your thoughts and what the ocd community have have with the show in terms of it's misrepresentation, but they never they never kind of listen to you. Am I right in that? That's absolutely right. Um, Ashley Forward, our, our CEO, went uh, to Channel 4 with yeah. uh, a couple of other people and sat <coughs> down with the disability advisor and some others and mm -hmm. was very, very clear on our concerns. Mm -hmm. um, our patron, who's a, a clinical psychologist, also sort of expressed his, his concerns about it. And whilst I think it, my understanding is that they sort of nodded and listened, nothing really changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, as a member of the public, I then had to go into work the next day and listen to people laughing. Yeah. And what what is really hard about that is, whilst those people didn't know, yeah. if I then open my mouth and said I've got OCD, they're going to laugh at me. Yeah. Um, which nine times out of ten, you know, if someone doesn't understand it, they will laugh. So they, um, they'll, they'll, you, they you, the kind of reaction you might get was, well, how, how, how many times do you scrub your kitchen floor compared to people last night and so on? Well, um, yeah, yeah. If I, you know, if I say to somebody, uh, I think I did tell a colleague once and he, he didn't mean anything by it, but he smiled and he said to me, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. Without realising, actually, he's asked me a very, very personal mm -hmm, question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in all honesty, I haven't had children. I haven't had a family. family <clears throat> excuse me because my OCD has stopped me. Right. Wow. And that's quite a significant way that it has affected me. Yeah. If I open my mouth and say that, that's, you know, that's a conversation killer. That's going to make me look yeah. like a real misery, really. And mm. people, it's, it's a really, really hard topic of discussion. Um, and Again, a very insightful, powerful point, because help. I think that resonates with, with me and my own condition as well. It's, my condition's halted me in a lot of... Areas life, so so thank you for uh, um, admitting to that. But um, but can in, in a more generic point, can can such TV shows be be made to to raise awareness in a more better way? And how 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 would you go about it, particularly with something like OCD? Well, there was a really excellent program. Channel Four did, um, uh, and I forget when it was. A few years ago now, it was a program made with the comedian John Richardson. Oh yeah. Uh, where that he, I don't know if you saw it, but he. There, there are sort of his suspicions that may, he may have OCD. And, and he, he wanted to find out if he had, yeah. You, did you see that? <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm now, as you, as you just were talking there, I'm trying to rack my brain about what it was called, because I, I do um, remember it. it yeah. called, I think it was just called John Richardson, a little bit OCD, or yeah. along those lines. Yeah. And he did an absolutely cracking job. It was so good um, in that he, you know, he met and he talked to people and he really got... To understand what drives compulsions and what drives obsessions and that I remember quite powerfully him standing outside the house of an OCD sufferer saying this disorder 
wrecks good people mm. and it really can do mm-hmm. um and it was it was so powerful um, you're I correct it was, it was uh, i just internet googled it it was called a little bit of cd it was uh, 2012 yeah. <laughs> just just to, just to, i just wanted yeah, maybe that's <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to be i wanted to be accurate i guess but, yeah, uh, yeah i was able to repeat it it was it was it's well worth a watch yes um but that's that is how to do it is okay. to just talk to people yeah and, and listen to what they say yeah a little bit more of an honest upfront approach i think is always better and um, what i wanted to ask you because i guess you know wrapping things up now is to just talk about OC, uh, ocd uk because I have to say again a little bit of, of shared honesty here is because we we talk to a, a ton of organisations and charities on this on this show since we've been on air, and I've I I have to say I've never heard of OCD UK. I, I assumed there would have been an OCD related charity, but I'm curious now as as my way of you know educating myself as well as the audience as to what you know volunteering for that organisation means for yourself and I guess the wider the wider view of what OCD UK does. Well, I think that my contact with OCD UK began from just Googling it and being desperate to talk to people that yeah. had it. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across OCD UK. They've got an excellent online support forum. It's sort of well moderated. It's very, a very busy type of forum. There's always somebody there. And it was the first place I went to where I could say what I thought were just these thoughts in my head that nobody understood. And people would say, oh, yeah, I get that, or this is my experience. Um, and it really sort of empowered me to talk about it to people mm-hmm. that t- didn't understand the disorder. Uh, and through my involvement with them, I've written articles for their magazine. I've, as I mentioned, I've been running support groups. Mm-hmm. I've just met so many lovely people and the confidence and purpose that he's given me that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Um, yeah. I'm really so grateful to have had these opportunities and I absolutely love volunteering. Kind of like what we, we try and do here. I think Steve will agree that we find what we do and uh, talking about and raising awareness is, is incredibly rewarding individually. Mm. Uh, how, how rewarding has it been for yourself? Well, it's, 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 it's made me more confident to speak up yeah. and mm-hmm. it's made me more confident to encourage people and really sort of have belief that having people in front of you that turn up to these groups week after week and recover and yeah. you know recover to whatever extent works for them mm-hmm. and just to see them move you know move through the disorder and attain things that they want to attain and just not be as frightened anymore it's just it's the most wonderful feeling i love it yeah and it's also just i mean in a really you know sort of basically powerful sense as you said this at the beginning of the interview is that just to be in a, a situation where something is not controlling their life and making them miserable i mean i think that's the we're we're, we're big fans on this show of saying that prevention is the is the is the greatest way of dealing with something because if you prevent something you very often stop it from becoming a a long-term problem um, so it's really nice to know that there's something there for people for OCD. Um, uh, what I wanted to ask you very quickly before you go is, I was gonna, I was gonna make this kind of very half serious thing about saying that I'm convinced my friend has OCD because of some of the stuff that he does. I won't mention his name, but my friend Scott, right? Um, he, he, um, he, he's been a long-term friend of mine. And he do, and I'm curious not to know. Not any, yeah, yeah, maybe not after this, <laughs> but no. But I, I've always said to him maybe that I think he may have an issue, and and I'm being generally sincere when I'm asking you is that, for example, he 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 has to put um, whenever we go out for meals and everything, he he often like gets the sachets and puts them in orders, and 
he has to do them, and he also like makes decisions by flipping a coin, uh-huh. which is re- which I find strange. Like he he says he can't make decisions a lot of the time, so he uses a coin. Like he flips a coin and then decides based on a coin, which he like you know does for quite a lot of things. So I thought like maybe it's okay because he only does it for like you know maybe like you know what meal he's gonna have, but he says he makes like some big decisions using the coin. Like uh, it, it, what is that? Is that related to OCD? Well, I think that um, very important in what you just said is that he has to do it. I would ask why does he have to do it? If he's doing it to prevent something happening. I think he did happen. say that, which led me to think it was OCD. I think he did say that I'm worried something bad is going to happen. Wasn't there an episode of um, mm. Big, ba- Big Bang Theory where Sheldon Cooper did, did an episode of like making decisions on the flip of a card? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's another kind of a weird, bad representation. By yeah, because I think I did ask him, uh, Claire, about saying, what if you just don't do it? And then I, yeah, and I think he said because I don't. I, if I do, if I don't do it, something might happen. Yes, um, and that could well be. It's I, if if he wants to 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 challenge it, if if it's something that is is bothering him. The thing with with anxiety uh, with OCD is that for it to qualify as a disorder, it has to significantly input um, impact your quality of life. Yes. Um, and if it's not impacting negatively your quality of life, then it's it's not a problem, and it's not it's not mm-hmm. OCD. Yeah. But if if it's if it's hindering him, and if it's stopping him doing what he wants to do, then certainly I would encourage him to to, to seek help. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of information on our website ocduk.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and something that I always draw people's attention to, which is really useful, is what we, ha- we have what we call a G- GP icebreaker sheet. And if you don't know what to see to your GP, you can print this sheet off and say, Great. this is what worries me. I think I might have OCD. Great. Um, so there's loads of tools there to, to sort of help you on your way to, to getting the help you need. Great. That's a great way to end. Um, the, the, uh, all these me to see is, so you mentioned the website. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, it's, uh, it's ocduk.org. Um, we also have a helpline number that uh, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's volunteer run, so um, it's, uh, it's O double three. I'll try that again. Sorry, it's O triple three two one two seven eight nine zero. Great. And thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's really, I was looking, really looking forward to, to talking to you because as we say about the OCD, it's, it, you know, it's very misunderstood, like a lot of stuff that we talk about on this show, so can it's I, really nice. I just say this is yeah? one of the most powerful interviews we ever conducted. <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really, 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 really good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well, <laughs> and thank you again for coming. About, so. <laughs> coming Great. Literally um, just asked you yesterday, could you come on? You said yes. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. very much. Little encouragement. I yeah. need little encouragement. Great. Well, we hope <laughs> it wasn't too uh, painful for you, and um, <laughs> and you're welcome back on any time. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for talking to us, and um, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, wow. That was really that was really powerful. Um, and as I say, if you just be honest about it, then it all works out. But um, yeah, so we're pressed for time now. We're going to take a break, and then a little bit of a song break, and then we're going to have uh, Carol Barwick, uh, who's the hypnotist from CB Learning Development, who's going to do mental health news with it, and while we're going to have a bit of a chat uh, after um, we play some ads and a bit of music. I'll just figure out what I'm going to play. And that would that would that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, oh yeah, it was there. Raw Raw Riot with Can You Tell? That's what it was, which is a fantastic song. So there's going to be a bit of Raw Raw Riot, and then uh, we're going to play some ads right now, and we'll be back with Carol in the studio. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Spice FM, ninety-eight point eight FM. 
The Glasses Factory stocks men's, ladies' and kids' glasses in the biggest brands like Armani, Ray-Ban and Police, to name but a few. Why not take advantage of the Glasses Factory two-for-one offers from £60? See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191-273-8460. Log on at glassesfactory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਦਿਲਾਂ ਦੀ ਪੁਕਾਰ ਲੱਜ਼ਤ ਦਾ ਸ਼ਾਕਾਰ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਸ਼ਹਿਰ ਵਿੱਚ ਇੱਕ ਹੋਰ ਇਜ਼ਾਫਾ ਥਾ ਕਰਕੇ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਜਿਹਦਾ ਕੋਈ ਨਿਸ਼ਾਨੀ ਜੀ ਹਾਂ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਗ੍ਰਿਲ ਵੈਸਟ ਰੋਡ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਹਰ ਤਾਜ਼ਾ ਡਿਸ਼ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਖਾਹਿਸ਼ ਦੇ ਮੁਤਾਬਿਕ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਦੇ ਸਾਹਮਣੇ ਤਿਆਰ ਕੀਤੀ ਜਾਂਦੀ ਹੈ ਆਓ ਅਜ਼ਮਾਓ ਤੇ ਖਾਓ ਆਪਣੀ ਫੈਮਿਲੀ ਤੇ ਯਾਰਾਂ ਦੋਸਤਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਵੀ ਲਿਆਓ ਹਲਾਲ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਗ੍ਰਿਲ ਵੈਸਟ ਰੋਡ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਟੈਲੀਫੋਨ ਨੰਬਰ 0191272727272 ਤੇ ਫੋਨ ਮਿਲਾਓ ਤੇ ਆਪਣਾ ਆਰਡਰ ਬੁੱਕ ਕਰਾਓ ਬੱਲੇ ਬੱਲੇ ਹੋ ਨਹੀਂ ਸਾਉਂਡ ਸਾਨੀ ਦੀਆਂ न्यूकासल शहर में ग्रोसरी की दुनिया में एक ही मारूफ नाम एमए ब्रदर्स जहां पर रोजमर्रा के इस्तेमाल की हर चीज दस्तियाब है आपकी खिदमत में अरसा दराज से पेश पेश एमए ब्रदर्स रमजान मुबारक के बाबरकत महीने में अपने करम फरमाओं के लिए स्पेशल ऑफर दस्तियाब है आइए और खिदमत का मौका दीजिए एमए ब्रदर्स एजिक्रोड न्यूकासल टेलीफोन नंबर 0191273 एमए ब्रदर्स same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice fm 98.8 fm
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM, 98.8 FM. I'm here with my good friend, obviously Mr. Ricky, and um, that was... I don't know what that noise is. Go away. <laughs> it's suddenly like a vibration. That was weird. But um, yeah, so uh, welcome back, obviously. Uh, this is Mentally Sound, where we talk about all things mental health. Huge thank you to Claire, who uh, just did a phone interview uh, in, at the end of the first hour, which was all about OCD UK. And as we were just saying, as Ricky said, towards the end, one of the, that was a really powerful interview. We really... Um, it was really in, enjoyable, and again, we also deal with stereotypes and a bit of discrimination and a bit of ignorance about certain disorders. And I, I think, think I learned quite a bit then. Yeah. That, that what was it? Twenty minutes. That, yeah. So much. So yeah, much. So much in that that I yeah. absorbed. And, yeah. yeah and, and the fact, as you said, that Claire was a last-minute replacement mm-hmm. for a previous guest, like that was a, that went wonder, that went wonderfully well. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, and uh, as I said, the song there was Rora Riot with Can You Tell, <coughs> which is a fantastic song. Highly recommend their album uh, by Rora Riot. Um, they're not as good as they used to be, um, but that that was from their first album. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend checking them out. I saw them uh, I saw them live with uh, when they were supporting Ro- uh, Vampire Weekend, um, and they were far better than Vampire Weekend. <laughs> but that, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, anyway, um, Carol has been waiting very patiently, so we have a live guest now, and we're going to crowbar in mental health news. But I thought it made sense to talk to our guest because she's been waiting very patiently. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Carol Barwick to the show. Hello. Hello, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> it's a real pleasure to have you on because, being that you are a hypnotist, um, uh, she, she <laughs> I was going to make the joke of you. She, I, I'm not sure if I said that willingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another joke, isn't it? But um, I, it really is interesting because, like we just talked about with OCD, with hypnotism, it's something that um, it's something that we're constantly you hear the word you know, hypnotism all the time. And particularly also deal with phobias, which I'm sure we can we can have a bit of, you know, an interesting discussion about that. But I guess in a nutshell, would you just could you describe what it is that your job entails in a in a generalistic sense and then we'll open it from there? Okay, so a clinical hypnotherapist will deal with everything from anxieties, fears, phobias, stress, um, fear of presentations, mm-hmm. incidents that have helped uh, that have worked for them. But then I, I help them to overcome barriers. Mm-hmm. And the biggest barrier is their mind. Yep. And, and often the person that holds them back is the one they see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's an anxiety, that becomes very real in their mind and it becomes yep. bigger than it needs to be. So I help them turn the volume down. Mm-hmm. And hypnotism goes from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind, which is 90% of your mind. Mm-hmm. And the subconscious mind believes what it's being told. Yeah. So then you can reduce the anxiety, reduce the phobia, reduce the fear and allow someone to get on with their life. Yeah, mm. it makes perfect sense when you think about it. I mean, um, so when did your, is it a company that you run? Is it your company? Yes, yeah. I've, I've been in business since 1989. Wow. Originally I had a recruitment agency in town, which I sold to a national in 2004. Wow. I've had a training company since 1993 and I've, I've uh, been in the field of behaviour to globalise it for the last 12 years because that was a natural progression. Working with people to give them jobs was number one, then training them number two, but I wanted to know what made people take a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I I trained in various guises, so I use a range of tools and techniques because people are individual and one size doesn't fit all. So you Mm -hmm. need an armory of things to help somebody. Yeah. So in sorry, go on. Do you know? Because you've you've seen to us off there that you've had a high profile clients. 
Yes. I, I know without naming names, I, but I, what, yeah, what well sort I, of things do, do does yeah. people come to you for? Uh, well, everything's confidential, obviously, yeah. when people come and see me, but I have worked with people from the entertainment industry, including singers, actors, and I have worked with a film star as well. Mm-hmm. And with all of those, uh, the underlying cause of, of what was presenting was anxiety. Okay. So, for example, the singer had what I call automatic negative thoughts going on in her head, which was fueling the fear. Mm-hmm. And, and her automatic negative thoughts were, when the curtains opened, what if I can't sing? Yeah. Yeah. And what had happened to the actor, there was a noise backstage just before he was due to go on, mm-hmm. which blanked in his mind his words when he was mm-hmm. supposed to go on stage. Mm-hmm. So he forgot his words. Mm-hmm. And it's in an NLP terms, because I use NLP, which is Neuro yeah. Linguistic Programming. In NLP, that's a pattern interrupt. So the words just went out of his mind and he was due on stage. And I guess we all have those sort of yeah. freak out moments where you think what if, but I yeah. suppose if you're a high profile person, you're going out on live TV or whatever, it, it, yeah, I can understand how that would yeah. be. A and it's amplified, you're absolutely yeah. right, because with the film star, he'd been in a series and he'd been mm-hmm. in a film, and what was freaking him out was that he was going to have to go on the red carpet in Hollywood as himself, mm-hmm. not a role. Ah, I see. And he said, but people will look at me, and I'm looking yeah. at him, and he was dropped dead gorgeous and said, yeah, they will definitely be looking <laughs> at you. But he didn't see, and here was the thing, which was quite nice. He didn't see what people saw. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I used a range of tools and techniques, some of which he used in the limo on the way to the red carpet, mm-hmm. and he was able to stand in front of a, a 30-foot bank of cameras, confident and calm and in control mm-hmm. on that day. Are we too quick then to jump to, we were talking before, about stereotypes that such, such high-profile people are naturally gifted in, into, into having to, because of their, you know, the, the big money and everything, that's just something that comes naturally. Are we, are we too, uh, you know, harsh on them sometimes when we, yes, don't, I think so. when we don't recognize what vulnerabil- vulnerabilities they might have? That's right. I mean, the, the American Indians always used to say, you don't understand anyone until you've walked in their moccasins yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, you, if you have a high-profile person, quite often the fears and anxiety can be amplified mm-hmm. because they believe, and this is the thing, they believe there are more expectations mm-hmm. of them. You know, so it is amplified, and and my client base is from seven, where uh, you know, uh, right through to seventy. I've mm-hmm. just had a, a, a an actually a new client, eighty-two from Scotland, coming to see me. It's all about anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and anxiety can be learned in childhood. Mm-hmm. There's something called ABC, which is acquired behavioural complex, mm-hmm. and that means that as a child, you're a sponge. Whoever's around you, mm-hmm. you think if they are anxious or they have fears or phobias or they are depressed or suicidal, you tend to soak that mm-hmm. up and you think that's what an adult's supposed yeah. to be like. Yep. And you become that. But it mm-hmm. isn't your story. You've actually pinched their habit mm-hmm. yep. or their anxiety. So what I do is I debunk it and then change the model in the person's mind using a range of tools and techniques to allow them to take control of their life and move on. Yeah. It's essentially learned behaviour. It is. Uh, that, 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 it can be, yeah. Yeah, because um, this, this is something I, I, I've done, you know, that I'm very open and frank about all the shows that I've ever been on is that I've, I've had therapy for a long time um, um, because of having bipolar disorder. Um, you know, I, I had a, I almost failed school and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff because I have very, you know, quite volatile, volatile and like not in a non-threatening way, but vol- I would say volatile or overwhelming maybe might be the right phrase. 
um, mood mood disorder in in the sense of that I can get very very irritated and very very down mm. um, to the point of that I don't function. Um, so one of the things that I've learned over time is transcendental. Trans, how do you say transcendental meditation? meditation. Yeah. That's something I've got really into over the last few years, and that really helps. Um, but what you said about learned behavior is fascinating because I, I, I essentially that's how I understood it is that. Um, through my therapy, I learned exactly what you just described. It's like sort of the because the way I look at it is it's like you get social element of the w- way that you're brought up is is important, the environment that you're brought up in, yeah. and also just your own your own personal life as well. Is that they're all like kind of intertwined as well as the genetics of of yourself as well can be relevant as well. But in my example, just to reaffirm what you've been saying, is that I grew up in a very chaotic like childhood my mom and dad were polar opposites of each other so when i started to dissect all that as a teenager and say like all the memories i had were all incredibly emotional memories so when i went back and looked at all the memories that i had as a child i realized that all of them were all of them were related to me having a a really really overwhelming emotion it was why how i remembered things so it then transcended to that was how i dealt with things is that you know because my dad was you know insecure and, and chaotic and, and violent and my mom was the calm the calm controlled and um, practical one so if you look at them two like polar opposites it's like i as a child clearly went i'm not sure which person i should um i, I should follow or um, be inspired by or whatever and i just got a bit um, that that was how my emotional my emotional maturity was 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 harmed because of that because I didn't know what to do, um, so that makes a great deal of sense. I guess people listening to this are probably going to have the same curiosity as me because I haven't necessarily done hypnotism before. Um, so can you describe? You know, feel free to you know you can decide what you want to talk about. But in terms of techniques, like if someone came to you now, say who's not you haven't um, dealt with before, what techniques would they expect to? See? like can you describe some of the stuff that you do okay so what I do is I make a mind map of of the person with the presenting symptoms in front of them Mm -hmm. but I look for the root cause okay the root cause of why they sat in front of me which Mm -hmm. might not be why they are I look for the root cause which could be an emotional root cause or a childhood thing Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, I use a range of tools and techniques including not not just hypnotism and there's various forms of hypnotism there's rapid induction which puts somebody into a trance in seconds there is a longer slower induction which takes them from conscious mind to subconscious mind Um, and that's better for recording because I give everybody a recording of the hypnosis element so they can get that as a present from me to use forever. I also use um, integral eye movement technique which rewires the brain Mm -hmm. through eye movements and it's fascinating, it's very very quick and I use tapping on the energy meridians of the body. Sometimes in a session I use all three Okay. Because if one doesn't work, you've mm-hmm. got them the other way. Yeah. And you can also, if somebody is, is really, really anxious, you can use what I'll term as conversational hypnosis. Um, and that is where you can, you, you can use a certain type of language, pace, speed, volume. And you can use that combined with an NLP tool, which is called match, pace and lead. So you might match the person's body language and then calm them down and then lead them. Ah. And that is that is really powerful. So they, they're not aware of what you're doing. They just are aware of that they are becoming more relaxed. 
Mm-hmm. But it's interesting what you said about your childhood because have you ever seen Shameless on the TV? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. My dad was like Shameless. Okay. Like Frank. Yes. Okay. okay. People see where I live now and they think, wow. But I lived on the posh side just off Shields Road. Okay. Um, and my dad was like Frank from Shameless. He didn't work. He drank twice a day, seven days a week. He, mm. he wore combat. Um, he threw a Bowie knife across the floor into the lino oh. for fun. Oh. And um, it's all about choices. And what I say to people is, if you're driving a car, would you drive a car looking at the rear view mirror behind you? Mm-hmm. The fact is you wouldn't because you'd crash. Yes. And what I educate people in is, don't use your, drive your life that way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not useful, it's not clever or funny. Mm-hmm. So with my father, he died in his 40s. And my brother followed his example because every little boy leads a role model and he's yeah. one. Yep. So he followed my dad's example and yep. he died in his 40s. And yet my sister, who I'm very proud of, she's got a 2-1 degree in an MA in marketing and I'm successful in my own right. It's a choice. Yeah. We used our childhood as a foundation from which to grow our life. That's powerful because I think, have you, I'm sure you, I'm presumably converted here, but do you get a lot of people who are saying, but I don't have a choice? I think a, a lot of people say that when they're down in the dumps thinking it's the only way they can live all their lives. Do you they, see what they, I mean? They may feel that way. However, yeah. th- through therapy, you know, and you've got counselling, you've got CBT, you haven't just got clinical hypnosis mm-hmm. and the tools that I use, there's a range of yeah, yeah. You can show them that there are choices. They may feel as if they're in a, what I would clone as a, a mental cave, but I can show them there's a door there and it's mm. not even closed. Mm. And you can walk through that door. Yep. It's a choice. Uh-huh. I, I had a man came to see me earlier on this week, a senior man in education, who for nearly 40 years has had severe anxiety about just everything. Mm-hmm. He can't go to hospital. He can't go to the doctors. He can't go to the dentist. And he was very, very agitated as he sat down. My appointment with him at the end of it, he sent me the most wonderful email. He hasn't been anxious since. He hasn't had a panic attack. He can't believe the difference. He thinks it's magic. And, I, and he's listening to the recording I gave him as well. But yep. he just said, this is incredible. I Great. wish I'd seen you earlier. Mm-hmm. Instant. It's very often, it's very, it's very interesting. I know it's a bit sort of, say we sound like a broken record because it's interesting about everything, but it generally is. You know, as a curious mind that I am listening to all this is that I am a firm believer in, in, in exactly what you just said and it's it's interesting because I do think some people though, as, as you were sort of talking about, is just having the tools um, yes. to be able to do things because if you are brought up with a sort of disadvantage, let's say, then, you you know, when they say they don't have a choice, I think, because I can say this from personal experience, I've said that phrase before, and I think essentially what I meant, what I was meaning was, I don't know how, as opposed to, exactly. as opposed to, I don't have a choice. It's yeah. that I don't know how to right. do something about and, it. And knowledge is um, power, yeah. and tools equal control. So yes. what I'm known for, I'm known as the ninja coach. <laughs> what, what I'm known as, because I work with kids as well who are being bullied Brilliant. or suicidal or self-harmed, mm-hmm. But I give specific tools and techniques, a lot of which I've designed and written myself, and that gives that person control in their life. Mm -hmm. They have that toolbox. Yep. You know, in the hypnosis, you can even put a shield around some, somebody that they design. Okay. And that shield can take them into an area that they would normally have been terrified to go mm-hmm. into. But the shield is in place and they're able to function. Yeah. 
It's very fascinating. Um, so, I mean, I was going to say this, you know, I just mentioned I had a child, so don't, I don't consider this like I'm flirting or anything, but you look very young. When you said about, you said that you started in 1989. Oh, you look amazing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's quite, Thank I, you very yeah, much. Sorry, was, He's got the yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, can I get some lessons? I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get a discount or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I yeah. think it's important if I'm working with people, helping them to yes. move forward in their life, I need to be able to show that I walk the talk. Mm-hmm. So nutrition um, and exercise are very, very important to me and have been since my 20s. Yeah. And I do believe that it, it's, it's not about being in control, but it's, it's keeping your life healthy. You know, so you don't scoot up to the NHS and think, fix me. Yeah. After 25 or 30 years of abuse. Yes. You know, it's going to take a while. Yes. So if you st- if you prevent that ill health in the first place, and there's always things that can happen to us that are, mm-hmm. you know, just come out of the blue. But I always I always quote whenever, you know, because we're doing shows like this, we occasionally get people asking for advice. And I often say, I often quote the late, great Carrie Fisher, who is an inspiration for me yes. because she has bipolar disorder. Oh, she did have bipolar disorder. Um, and she wrote you know wishful drinking which I, I highly recommend wishful drinking it's it's a fantastic example of what you have to go through and she says a very simple powerful point about any any illness any disorder or anything like that she goes i can only do one thing and that's work on it because uh what's the point in the alternative precisely um yeah. because it, she was like well because the people keep asking why and that's basically the answer is that because the what's the, why why accept the alternative the alternative is to continue to be miserable um and and it's just like when you when you suddenly put it and you know decompartmentalize it down to a, such a simple point yes. it makes you understand that like really the only way what you can do is go right i need to get the support i need to as you say unravel it and 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 learn to deal with it appropriately and, and the thing is and and you're absolutely right that change can be rapid mm-hmm. because my approach to some things are if someone says something or you've witnessed something or something's happened to you that has changed you and made you anxious or given you a phobia or made you concerned or nervous why can't you unpick it in a few seconds as well and the fact is you can and I'm doing this every week Mm -hmm. and even if people I love sceptics even if people (laughs) don't believe me uh, I like a sceptic but what I do is I explain to people in every detail what we are doing because it is a team Mm -hmm. if they see it and I draw it they understand it if you've got a reflector, somebody who's highly intelligent and they reflect, if you don't do that, they'll try and unpick it mm-hmm. because they need to understand it like a Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. So I explain to people exactly the tools, mm-hmm. how they work, yeah. and then and then they understand it. Yeah. It sounds very similar to, you know, essentially counselling, isn't it? I'm assuming you do, like, a package of sessions when people first come. Do you make them do, like, ten sessions no, or something? No, I've never or seen anybody for ten sessions. Okay. No. No, it's not necessary. If you're good at what you do, and this is going to sound arrogant, I am, and they want to to change and they want help, they Mm -hmm. want to move forward, then I can help them. But sometimes people don't want to get better. So you might have somebody who, Mm -hmm. I look for root cause, okay? So if somebody, their root cause um, has been, as a child, their parents split up. They had no control and their whole life changed. What they want to do, they look for a hidden agenda. What can I control? Yeah. So they think, I can, tr- I can control my eating, for example. Yep. <laughs> well, but the secondary gain is they get attention. Yes. Mm. So why should they give up starving themselves if they're being fed attention? <laughs> so I'm laughing because... You've got to be able to understand oh. this. What is presenting in front of you as a, as a specialist, as a professional, mm-hmm. let's have a look underneath the lid of that. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I had a lady that came to see me for anxiety and her husband worked away. When he came home, he would ferry her to all of these appointments. Mm -hmm. And I thought she doesn't want to get better because she's got his attention mm -hmm. when he's here. Yep. Um, the, reason I was laughing, the, the reason I was laughing, just to provide the context is, because as you might have heard, um, I talked about my mom earlier and um, I had a conversation with my, the mental health nurse that, that deals with the case because as someone who's dealt with my mental health for a long time now, I'm now 30 and I found out I was bipolar in like 19, but I've dealt with depression way longer than that. Um, is my, I actually said through my experience that I actually said to the mental health nurse and I asked the nurses in the care home and that, that what you exactly said was exactly what my mom was going through as a coping mechanism to get attention because with everything that's been going on I mean it makes sense in the context of the fact that my mom's been poorly for a while I was pleased to it's say like I touched about it makes yes. sense yes but, um, but as I said it's still um, uh, and people might be interested to hear this because again this is just through me having therapy for a long time because I did it I've, do, I've done it in my life in periods and it's usually a phase but my mom was necessarily what she essentially was doing is negative reinforcement yes. um, it's the opposite to positive reinforcement because she realised through being in a care home that she observed which in a way shows a level of self-awareness it might be bad self-awareness but at least it's self-awareness to go uh, that she was in essence making a decision but albeit negative of course, in yeah. that in the she was looking at the situation saying that because she's only in respite care so she's going to leave and she's got a lot lot better but she's saying the the way to get attention in a care home is to act miserable mm -hmm. and to pretend something is hurting her mm -hmm. and what I was noticing when I was visiting her because obviously what they encourage us to do is to not go as often because that she's because we've been supporting her through a bad time she's been leaning on us for for comfort right. and they want us to want her to be a little bit more dependent independent it was very very good advice because it's definitely worked and um, but what I'm getting at is so when I would come go there exactly the way you describe which is why you clearly know what you're talking about is um she would sit with me, I would have, try and have a regular conversation with her, and she would change the narrative to, oh, but my foot hurts, oh, and then I would go, okay, but, you know, and then it would be, I would, she wouldn't get the reaction she'd desire, then she'd go, oh, me, now my neck's hurting, and all this kind of thing, oh, now my bowels are hurting, and then I realised, and I just realised she was trying to get a reaction of, this is the way I realised being in here, this is the way of getting attention, yeah. so I had to just quietly remind her, ma'am, I'm here to visit you, Mm -hmm. I am not here to help with them things. I'm here to help with you and see you because I'm your son. And she then just goes, oh, right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, you know, but it, it's cle clearly, again, sort of learned behaviour. <laughs> learned behaviour, yeah. yeah. She was, you know, as I jokingly said to my sister when I told her afterwards, my mum's doing a lot of the violin after the minute, mm -hmm. the little small violin, like, um, you know, waiting to get a, a like bad response. And then once I told her I wasn't going to take the bait, she stopped it. And it's it, it it yeah. So it it's and it's just because and as you said, anxiety you've mentioned a lot. It's clearly an an anxious response to a new situation. It is. Um, yeah. And sometimes when people come and see me, they're unable to talk about what it is. Yes. So what I do is it's as if I'm on a stage or doing a training course. Mm -hmm. In that scenario, it's a public arena. So if I'm working with someone at the front, I'll say to them, "It's non-disclosure. You don't have to tell me what's wrong." And they'll go, "Really." And I'll say, yeah, as long as you know what it is, we can fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and you can so if, if someone can't verbalize what's wrong or bring themselves to say then I can just get them to go into themselves access where it is in their body and I can show them how to switch it off turn Fantastic. it down whatever works yeah so in terms of I guess the final thing I mean we will just we'll do mental health news towards the end because this has been interesting to talk to you um I wanted to ask, I guess, because you, you know, in terms of um, the the phrase "going under" with hypnotism, like you know that kind of thing. How I guess people listening to this might think, because you, uh, what 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 I realised we haven't addressed is you said skeptic, as in people being skeptical about doing this, and like is it is people? Uh, I guess what I'm uh, two questions here, like how often do you actually use that technique of people going under? in like a hypnotist like being hypnotized sense uh, and, and is that what you're referring to with skepticism or is it something else right that's a very good question and mm -hmm. it's, it's a common belief that you go out you go under you put to sleep you might bark like a dog at the frozen peas in yes. so, yeah. um, and not remember a thing or divulge family <laughs> secrets <laughs> at all yeah. well it's not like that yes. um, basically it's going into an altered state such as daydreaming mm -hmm. And you can't really describe what hypnosis feels like because if you try and describe daydreaming, it's a bit difficult. Yeah, because everyone's different. So all it is is an altered state where you are relaxed and in fact you are more alert. Yes. You are more alert when you are hypnotized because yeah. you, know, you switch the mind on in different ways. So the, when I'm recording something, for, I do for every client, they get a recording of the hypnosis element. They may say, well, I heard you all the way through. Then they come back the following week and say, actually, I didn't, Carol. I listened to it and thought, when did you say that? When mm -hmm. did that part come in? Because they are relaxed to such a point that they have gone, I've taken them from the conscious mind to the subconscious mm -hmm. mind, which believes what That's it's being great. told. That's yeah. where the magic takes place. Mm -hmm. you know? And they don't even need to believe you. You, yeah. can, you can guide them that way. You can allay their fears. You can gain someone's trust. And you're able to show them that the going out and going under that stage hypnosis, that's yes. for notoriety, it's for money, it's for fame, it's for entertainment. Uh -huh. That is not what we do in a clinical mm -hmm. sense. Yes, I know. Uh, that's why I think it was very, very important yeah. to say because I, I understand it. But I think in my experience, if anyone mentions hypnotism, because I see the value of it, absolutely. I actually thought, but luckily I did. Maybe I, I, in a way, did it myself in a way, but I did think about going to see someone like yourself for smoking because I have a real, real problem. Um, <laughs> that sounds like I'm revealing something. Just to, if my partner's listening, I don't have a problem, okay? <laughs> That's what it sounded like. I just mean I've quit smoking several times in my life, and it's my like Achilles heel. Is that you know everyone always has like a because I definitely have an addictive mindset. So um, I'm just saying like the last time I quit smoking felt like the hardest thing. It sounds weird to say that, but. I constantly kept going back to it because right. I like caving in doing it. So I did think about seeing someone like yourself. So I have heard hypnotism in that sense it, is it, really good to get over stuff like that. It's um, one session. Yes. Oh, really? And, yes, one session. And the person who uh, comes to see me needs to want to stop oh, yeah. because I help them quit. Yeah. And and if they're in the right place, that's successful. A very high success rate. Yeah. One one session. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're going there because their partner wants to, or the cat sneezes <laughs> when they when they light up, that's no good. Yes. You know that's not the right reason. Yes. They're not totally on board. Now we've sussed that out. Mm -hmm. You've got to want it. Yeah. You've yeah. got to want it. Yeah. That's right. That's with anything. Um. Uh, it's that's actually quite amazing you said that because uh, anytime we do this show about anything that any and ever comes up, 
you know, because obviously we try and deal with with stigma, um, and one of those stigmas that really is is worrying is when people go like, you know, just like try a little bit harder, or or, or you know, the, the 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 terms that aren't really useful. And what so what we like to say is that the only real thing you can really ask somebody is, do you want to get better? Yeah. And that's really the only the and only you know thing what? you can you say. You touched on something that's really really um, important. There words. Yes. Because I had um, a, a, a young man of 19 come to see me. He'd had several emergency dashes to hospital for acute pain. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find out what was wrong. He ended up with post-traumatic stress with it. He was in a really bad way. Yeah. He ended up having a, a, an operation. He was on Oromorph, which is quite a high level. It's morphine. Okay. And I was able to switch his pain off. Um, and I did that for him, and he was able to reduce the Oromorph but the point about the words and their power is this. He went back down south where he was from, mm-hmm. went to the consultant for a follow-up operation, and the consultant said, and I quote, you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life. Wow. Excuse me? Wow. I mean, you know, so immediately his pain came back. Yeah. Because the consultant, yeah. who obviously knows what he's talking about, told him he would be in pain. Yeah. So he was so bad, he wasn't able to come and mm-hmm. see me on the return visit, yeah. and I switched it off over the phone yeah. for him instead. Wow, great. Good yeah. for you, because yeah. I think that's bad practice. He's uh, no longer in pain. Yeah. He's not on morphine. It's uh, so any sort of morphine. I can understand that because, like, you know, it, that's why we often say, with de- like, I say this about whenever anyone asks me about the depressive side of what I go through, is that it's so much. It 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 is physically limiting in the sense of it's like your mind isn't capable of doing things, but that is, in a for want of a better phrase, can be fixable. Oh, your as mind it, is yeah. powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, really yeah, yeah. So it's good that people are like you around to to, to help well, alleviate all these things. Um, great. Wow. This this absolutely flew by. And yeah. wow, what a great um, what a great interview. Um, so for for people, obviously, we like to say for thank that the first thank you so much for coming on, obviously. And um, where can people find you if they would like to use your services? Well, my website is the W's and then Carol without an E Barwick B A R W I C K dot com. Brilliant. That's and then an appointment. I'm mm. also a consultant at Nuffield Health. Okay. So I see people at the clinic or I can see them at my home. Mm-hmm. Generally, if people have anxiety, I'll see them at home. It's less anxious for them. Is it in your home or their yes. home? All right, okay. Yeah, then, yeah. then going into a, a hospital, yeah. which might raise mm. their anxiety. Yeah. Interesting, because yeah, when if I if I think I had any anxiety at all, I went to a therapist at their home, and I found out a lot more. Well, um, it is comforting. You find um, going to clinics, hospitals, too, well, too clinical. In <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Yeah. White yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. some people obviously um, have white coat syndrome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is a thing. Yes. Smell of hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see Darren Brown's thing about that? It was about. No, um, it was about um, oh god, I'm so annoyed now. I forgot the the term. It's a it was an actual test done, and it was about it was um like um uh, oh sorry, I'm I'm blanking on I'm blanking on the I'm blanking on the the test now. But basically, he did a test where it was uh, he got somebody to pretend like they were being electrocuted, and he got them to do a test. And because a person in a white coat was telling them, yes. they were willing to torture the person, even though it was all set up that it was fake. Yes. Um, yeah. And it, I can't remember the determin- Fox, Fox New- there's Fox a terminology, Fox. isn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. America, I've seen an American that, version. Yes. I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It was very fascinating because basically they would ask him to do a question and then a recording would come on of a person's voice getting the, the, the answer wrong. And then they would press a button that would ele- like make an electrocute yes. sound. Yeah. And he has someone screaming. And 
and it was basically saying how long they would do it before they would say this is unfair yeah. and loads of people did it until the electricity would have killed somebody yes. but then they re- then they told them it wasn't a real test and it was all based on there was a person in a white coat saying it, it is okay to do yeah. this yeah. the mind is really powerful yeah. and it can be helped mm-hmm. to to help you spiritually mentally physically emotionally mm-hmm. it, you, you really can overcome so many things that you would never believe yeah Excellent. That was a really good way really to end. Um, thank you so much, Carol. It was a real pleasure. Um, right, and now, so what we're going to do now is going to play Paolo Nutini with Last Request, and then we'll be back for our last phone interview. So today flew by. We might even have time for mental health news. We'll see if we can stay 10 minutes at the end, okay? But we'll be back after Paolo Nutini. Slow down. Lie down. Remember it's just you I Don't sell out, bow out Remember how this used to be I just want you closer Is that alright? Baby, let's get closer to me Grab my last request and just let me hold you don't shrug your shoulders Lay down beside me Sure I can accept that we're going nowhere But one last time let's go yeah. Lay down beside me Oh, I found that I'm bound to wander down at one And I realized all about your lies, but I'm the wiser than the fool that I was before. I just want you closer. Is that alright? Baby, let's get closer. Shrug your shoulders Lay down beside me And so I can accept that we're going nowhere But one last time let's go there Just let me hold you Don't shrug your shoulders Lay down beside me Sure I can accept that we're going nowhere But one last time let's go there Lay down beside me Grab my last request and just let me hold you Don't shrug your shoulders, no
Hello everybody, welcome back to Medley <laughs> Sound. I don't know what happened there. I guess it was um, that was supposed to be into a bit of feedback. Apologies for that. Um, but welcome back to the show. That was Paul Weller with his fantastic rendition of um, Ever Changing Mood, which is a classic song. And that was the Radio 2 version that he did, sort of like the live version. And it's a fantastic song, obviously close to my heart because I have Ever Changing Moons with Bipolar Disorder. So, um, And it's a really nice, you know, summary rendition that I thought we'd all enjoy. Um, obviously, this is Mentally Sound. If you're just tuning in now, this is Spice FM 98.8 FM. My name's Stephen. I'm here with my co-host Ricky. And we do a show all about mental health and um, so obviously what we talk about is very taboo the reason i'm reiterating that point is we have a very very special guest who's waiting on the phone right now and um, so um the documentary is called killed killed by my debt killed by my debt um, and it's the program that i watched last night in preparation for this and is extremely powerful it was about jerome Rogers, um, about the, uh, him getting into debt and unfortunately taking his own life, um, and it's a hugely powerful um, docu. It's not, it's not necessarily a documentary; it's like an adaptation of his life story, essentially. And it was on BBC Three, and um, it also got replayed BBC on BBC One, One as well. Um, yes, and you can find it on iPlayer, which is what I watched on it last last night, um, and it's really powerful. And I'm delighted to see Tracy Rogers, who his his mom is on the phone now. Tracy, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, hello, uh, Tracy. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. That's fine. Um, so, um, first of all, um, I guess the obvious thing to talk about in relation to the programme 
is how how involved were you involved in you know the decisions of of doing that program because obviously as we said we just saw it and it was very powerful yeah um we was involved um in it all the way through um we got approached by um joseph bullman who's mm-hmm. the director and yes. his assistant laura mccutcheon um back in july last year um so we've been working with them for like a whole year mm-hmm. um they literally knew the ins and outs of you know we used to meet up twice a week they come over in the evening yeah. go out for dinner with them so we would literally you know they knew they didn't know us inside out but they got a good perspective of what my family was like and you know obviously how Jerome was brought up and what he was like so it was nice to be able to talk to someone about how Jerome was when he was a baby all the way up until obviously everything that happened to him yeah um so we was like really really involved in it and they came to us at, at you know all the way through it and mm-hmm. um, asking us how we felt about things and you know great. he was really involved in it that sounds that sounds great that they were involved that that like they, mm-hmm. they, they offered you that you know opinion all the way through how long did yeah. the process take before it you know got made um, well, we start we started talking last day. Started talking to them in July, mm-hmm. um, but the BBC obviously um, are quite restricted on their budget and everything else, and yeah. how things have to come, how quick things have to come out. Come out. Yeah. So they were given only until February for it all to be written, filmed, and edited. Um, then I think they BBC realised, you know. The, the strength of the, the film and how good it was going to be um, then gave Joe and Laura that extra time to put in the finer details um, on editing it and everything so um, it, it was a quick process they did say it's the fastest ever turnover that they've ever made um, a drama or a documentary in um, but that they did it justice anyway. It, it sounds that way because um, people who listen to our show regularly will know that I've, do, I've been involved in making a couple of BBC shows and that seems very, very quick. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, when you said that, that makes a great deal of sense. Um, yeah, that's why you know at the beginning, like you know, we saw Laura and Joe, especially Laura, mm-hmm. a lot. You know, sometimes it was twice a week. So you know, she she got to meet like Jerome's brothers and sisters, and you know, and knew right. what his little sister was like. So right. it was really nice. Yeah, it makes it authentic. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you, Ricky? I'm all right. Yeah, oh, we finally got there. We finally got you on. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's it's fantastic that you're here. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um. Well, Matt, Matt, I guess my first question, and and for our listeners, do you want to tell the audience what kind of a lad Jerome was? Give 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 people a flavour of what he was like. Um. Yeah. I mean, he was just like anyone. Anyone who who knew my children, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nat's 28 now and Holly's 21 and Macy's 10, would always say, you know, my children are like really well behaved and they're quite quiet. That That's what they think they're quiet because they know how to behave when they're outside the house indoors. They're just normal, you know, they're just normal kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone would say, you know, how well behaved and quiet Jerome was. But um, I think he just knew how to behave and he... Mm-hmm. he he didn't mix with rowdy kids. He had a really, really lovely circle of friends who mm. were just like him, well-behaved, you know, had their jobs. Or a lot of his friends went on to uni, so, mm. you know, the summers he would meet up with them and they'd do their own thing. But he was just, you know, and he wasn't a pub or club guy. It, the, the thing that he did used to do is every Tuesday he would go to the local social club in Biggin Hill with his friends mm-hmm. and they'd play... Um, poker with the, the the old men there that's you know right. that's the type of person that he was he wasn't a clubby or showy yeah. kind of boy he was just mm-hmm. a nice kid 
Yeah. That's quite a from the. I think the uh, the drama kind of uh, uh, showed he had a very placid uh, character. How 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 accurate were were the drama in terms of portraying his essential character? They they um well the um chance who played Jerome yeah. played him really really well. Yeah. Um, it was so uncanny how mm. like he was to Jerome. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, they they picked up his character and his characteristics. Um, I think really well. Great. So to give um to give the listeners a, a context, so I I'd seen uh, uh you and I think it was Holly. It was it this morning a year ago, and I knew yeah. that um. I kept that in my mind because I knew that you'd potentially be great guests and uh, this is obviously the time that before me and Steve had got the phone up and running and just by chance um, a mutual friend of ours on, on, a face, on a Facebook forum which I'm also part of um, sort of mentioned on that page and that's how I got through to you and, it, and it's, it's great that we've reached this point because of course yeah. the, the big thing that was happening in the last 12 months is that you made this uh, help make this uh, incredibly powerful uh, drama and I, I, I told you in the email didn't I that uh, it even had a, a profound effect on me you know it, it, by the end I was in tears what what kind of reaction we had from from friends family general public well I think the the um, general public have really been amazing we've had mm. so much support you know people have reached out on messenger mm -hmm. um, complete strangers mm -hmm. um, I've had people turn up on the doorstep just to just say that they just want to give us a hug. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, um, it's just people have been really, really nice. I think you, you obviously get the one or two negative comments which really you kind of read them and think, I don't think you've actually seen it or you've actually kind of like really get the grasp of what, you know, what it's all about because mm -hmm. what some people have sort of said um, is that, well, he shouldn't have got in debt. And what people aren't realising that Jerome didn't go out and get in debt. He didn't go out and get credit cards or loans. Mm -hmm. It was a traffic fine mm -hmm. that he yep. couldn't pay, mm -hmm. which spiralled into a debt. And then he looked at, you know, payday loans, which mm -hmm. um, obviously he, it was too late. He didn't get them, you know, too late by the time everything happened. Yep. But, um, you know, that's, that's um, I think, what people aren't kind of realising that, you know. But apart from that... People have been really, really nice. And when it was, like you said, have cried. Yeah. You know, sort of said, you know, it has brought them to tears. And when it went from BBC Three to BBC One, really mainstream, mm. I'd, I'd noticed on social media it was trending. It was trending number one. Such was the impact. Yeah. And when you say you had yeah. the, the, the the yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put aside the 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 few negative ones, but the overwhelmingly positive reactions. Yet, do you think that was also because? The, the issue of debt and how easy it is to fall these days really resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I think um, as well, like you know, people do tend to talk a lot more about mental mm -hmm. health issues because, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, it, was, it used to be a taboo subject, whereas now we're finding it's really, really common and getting more common in the younger people mm -hmm. as well. Like Macy's only 10 and you hear about, you know, children her age mm -hmm. self-harming or mm -hmm. have eating problems you know that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um that's really really shocking mm -hmm. um but i think that people are talking about it a lot more but what people aren't talking about is when they're in debt because i think they do feel ashamed mm -hmm. you know yeah. and especially with they're getting um bailiffs knocking on the door people you, you know yeah people don't talk about it mm -hmm. you don't often hear people and i think this has made people now suddenly come out and saying, well, you know, I've had this story, this has mm. happened to me, that's happened to me. So people are talking about it. It's, it's opened like a can of worms. Yeah. 
on the issue of bailiffs, because I think um, throughout the, the the drama, that was the an essential kind of point of focus, because it was ultimately that you felt you felt for for Jerome that this was this kind of haranguing kind of really got to him. But one of the things that the aims of the of the of the drama is that you want. Um, the campaign is to essentially want, first of all, to for for councils to stop using bailiffs. Is that right? Yeah. That's and uh, local authorities to to sort of have residents set up some sort of payment plan so it does the debts yeah, don't spiral. Yeah. 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 I and mean, that's what we brought to help the Parliament when we went there, and um, not last week, the week before. Yeah. Uh, and we're, what we're also asking is, if you know, why do councils only have a 14-day payment um you know you should why is it only 14 days most people get paid monthly you should be yeah. able to at least have 28 days to pay it before it's doubled up in price because mm-hmm. um in the, in the fine sorry because people get paid monthly if it falls just at that wrong time and it goes literally a day after yeah. you get paid you, you know you're stuffed and it's yeah. not mm-hmm. double Mm-hmm. Just putting people in a more, you know, a more precarious situation than it, they were before. Exactly. I think the powerful point about that, and as I, I chatted to you before, the, as I was chatting to you on the phone before before we came back on air, is that, yeah, I do think it should be based on circumstance. This has been our argument on this show a long time, yeah. is that the idea of just going, well, you should pay it, but what if you can't pay it? Um, and and I wanted to ask you quite quite um, open about this is that the 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 feeling that I left after watching the program last night, and I, I had the same response as Ricky. It's incredibly powerful. Um, is that the as you said, I think the reason about talking about it and making it a more widespread discussion is that it came across in the documentary. Well, I keep saying documentary, but you know what I mean, like as in a, a dramatized version of that. Uh, is that you come across as a quite a, you know, and I mean this in the most, you know, nicest way possible, like, but a normal family. Um, you came across as like a normal, caring, loving family, and this happened to just a nice person. Yeah. Um, you know, because what I left away with, because you all come out of it saying that, like, you were all loving and understanding, and uh, I really, your stepdad uh, came across, his stepdad or your partner at the time came across as very, um, came across as very like you know understanding and helpful and and do, do you think i guess what i'm leading to ask you is do you think that that in essence is the power of doing the program in that it, it's not just a case of you know like a, I, I think when you say the word debt i think people go to oh it's just a drug dealer or a heroin addict or something like that not that you shouldn't help people like that but you know what i mean like the stereotype around debt is that it's not normal people that go through this do you understand my point um, as in like you know is that the power of the program and that you know it's about the fact that you are like a normal family going through normal issues yeah, that it happens to yeah, Jerome is yeah. that's the reason people want to talk about it yeah I think so I mean they I mean what most people have just have, have messaged and said to me you could they could see Jerome was just a normal kid yeah. he was just out to make his first you know his first proper wage packet and you know he was full of excitement about it and thinking about his future and planning going on holiday with his girlfriend and his friends and he was just thinking about the future what that was going to hold not realizing that just by doing this job he was already in in debt before he even started because of what was taken out of his wages of each week and Mm -hmm. i think people are quite shocked at that as well that you know he was just a normal kid just trying to make his first 
wage packet. Yeah, because what also came across while you're watching it, and obviously this happened to him in person, is he tried to do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he was actually, you know, up, trying unbelievably hard, was what you can, you could come across in the programme, to do something about it but he was obviously you know because he was as you just said starting out in making money that it's very difficult to make that amount of money i mean anybody you know that you said this earlier anyone who occurs a fine no matter how small it is it's like external money that you you know somebody might not have so the idea of like you know as you said coming up with like a payment plan or something where you can pay within a reasonable amount of time seems a lot more hopefully can lead to this problem never happening in the first place yeah, um yeah. i mean um, i know so sorry as a as a, as a as a as a crowbar along that way i know like you're kind of are you essentially campaigning for the law to change um for bailiffs to be regulated yes yeah, that's what we're campaigning for mm-hmm. um a lot of mps are already asking for that and we got a meeting with uh, lucy fraser the okay and um, we had quite a, a positive meeting with her um, and the Ministry of Justice are asking for... Um, and the money savings expert Martin Lewis has backed your campaign, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he's been really on our side as well. Um, we've had quite a few meetings with um, Helen Undy mm-hmm. um, as well, and they, they've all been really supportive um, alongside, uh, alongside all the other charities, the Taking Control campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, they came along along with us to the House of Parliament mm-hmm. when we went for meeting as well so they've, right. they've all been really supportive well, you know because I think it's you know it's what everyone wants everyone wants Vegas to be regulated and the reforms and um, the review that they did um, didn't come out until I think four years after it was meant to have come out and mm-hmm. so they're asking for um, what we're actually asking for is for people to write into their local MPs who have got stories that are quite similar to Jerome's um, you know, have had run into bailiffs, whether it's over council tax or you know their rent mm-hmm. or whatever, and write to their local MPs mm-hmm. asking um, w- with their stories and asking for you know calling for the bailiffs to be regulated. Mm-hmm. Right, excellent. Well, I think that leaves it there. Unfortunately, we have to wrap things up because we're going off air at two o'clock, so we've got to wrap okay. things up now. But huge thank you, Tracy, for telling your story, um, and I have to say just a huge thank you on behalf of everybody. Yeah for being somebody who's willing to talk about this in the open and be upfront about, you know, something as serious as suicide and death because it's something that never gets talked about and um, the fact that you're able to do something in mainstream uh, media and affect people's lives in a positive sense. Um, I can't... Yes, exactly. I can't recommend any other. I can't recommend any other piece of film for people to watch around this issue, and I I offer you my my warmest congratulations in doing this. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tracy, and uh, yeah, so people watch the program, and thanks a lot, Tracy, for talking to us. Um, and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello, everybody. This is Stephen here in Post Productions, saying thank you so much for listening to this show, first of all. Um, What you just heard is the end. We got cut off uh, while we were talking to Tracy Rogers, who was the mother of Jerome Rogers uh, from Killed By My Debt, obviously, as you heard this episode. And the reason um, I am talking in post-production is we received an email about um, Jerome Rogers in terms of a tribute song by his friend Reese Makara who is actually available on SoundCloud and we didn't get access to that song 
while we were doing that show, obviously like before or while we were on air. And so what we decided to do when we received that a couple of weeks later is we decided to add it to this podcast. Um, so this podcast has already been released, but we are re-releasing this now in order to add this song called Featherbed by Reese Makara, um, which was a tribute to Jerome Rogers, who unfortunately committed suicide in that, uh, you know, in in real life. And that drama, Killed by My Debt, was based on what happened uh, in relation to that. So, um, hope you enjoy this. This is an extra exclusive bit of content for us. Um, this is Reese Makara with Featherbed, a tribute to Jerome Rogers, and I hope you enjoy it. And please tune in to all the other episodes of Mentally Sound. Thanks, guys. Bye. Between my lips, the place my worries and my words. 